welcome listeners to season two, episode six of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char. And I'm Kelly. And we're celebrating the famous horror date, Friday the 13th, by watching Friday the 13th, part two, 1981. Happy Monday the 16th, everybody. Yeah, we're probably going to release episodes that are about Friday the 13th on the actual Fridays, which is why I had our schedule be on Fridays. But for the rest, we'll be consistent with our Mondays. There's got to be movies that are about a scary Monday. I'll look into it. There's that song, Manic Monday. There has to be a movie associated with that. I thought that was magic. I think it's manic. It's just another manic Monday. That song? I think it's manic. Oh, I thought it was magic. Anyways. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we created this drink to be perfect to bring with you on a camping trip, which I think <gasps> we also did for the first one. But it's this is extra good. Yes, this is a, the best one to do on a camping trip. Why is it so easy, Kelly, to bring with you on a camping trip? Because this one is brought to us by Mad Lab. It is a s'mores old-fashioned, and it is a pre-made cocktail in a, in a container. Whoa! Oh, so easy to bring with you on a camping trip. And we I feel extremely privileged because they actually gave us this before even announcing that they made it. Yeah, we've been holding on to this bad boy for some time. They also gave us something else, which we yes. are keeping in store. Once they announced that one, I think. But this one, what's it called? Did we say already? Uh, S'mores Old Fashioned. Yeah. Do they have an act? Like, literally, he handed me a bottle with, like, scribbled on it, S'mores Old Fashioned. And I was like, I want to drink this right now. <laughs> Those are my words, though. <laughs> Now it's available to, uh, to purchase. They have free shipping for $150 or more, I think, is the orders in Canada. Um, so go get yourself one. I'm going to try it. You just had your first sip. How is it? It's so good. <laughs> and you love old fashioned. So this is perfect for you. I don't want to do that thing where it sounds like I'm being really pandering because it's a sponsor, but it is really good. It is so easy to drink. It's like, because my old fashions, I try to make more like citrusy. Yep. Not like too citrusy, but it's more like bitters and and a bit of lemon. Mm -hmm. But this one's like cinnamony. It's like, dare I say, kind of pumpkin spicy. Tastes very fall. It's gotten, I don't think it has, I don't know what's in it. I don't think it has nutmeg, but it's like a little bit. I guess it's. You're spicy. The thing that would I assume be the graham cracker flavoring? Maybe. What I'm getting, I'm still dying of Corona. Not really. Wow, it's going to date this episode for anyone who's uh, listening far I mean, in the I future. was going to make a joke that this drink would be perfect to like quarantine yourself with. So <laughs> I didn't know we were allowed to make those jokes. <laughs> um, But what was I going to say? You're getting a... A chocolatey feel for sure. Oh, for yeah, me. definitely. Yeah. Not to shit on your old fashions. Your old fashions are great, but I do. There is a certain quality of like, this is a strong drink when I drink a Kelly old fashioned and I have to sip it slowly. This is dangerous. This one, this uh, s'mores old fashioned. I could drink this real quick. It's kind (laughs) of like how Fireball is to whiskey. Mm-hmm. Where like people who don't like whiskey could still probably drink Fireball. Yeah. This is like, I don't like old fashions, but I could drink this more old fashioned. I can't get over it. You're so right about the graham cracker, like fallness. Hell yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah, me too. Damn. 
We poured a really big glass to take the photo for the digital cocktail recipe cards. If you're a patron, you can get one. But then it was like half of the bottle. And I was like, oh, we should. It's a small bottle. It's not huge. But uh, I was like, oh, let's just split it in half so that we don't waste more of the drink to like share between the two of us for the episode. But now I'm like, oh, I I only have a regular sized amount of this now. (laughs) I mean, my thinking is we're probably not going to promote this drink again this season. So... No, we're we, not starting drinking things that are sponsored not on the we podcast. We can't mix this with anything else. It's a pre-made drink. <laughs> Maybe it'll be perfect for another movie this season. We no, that's that's pantrink. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we watched Friday the 13th Part 2. It premiered on April 30th, 1981. It is written by Ron Kurz, based on characters from Victor Miller, directed by Steve Miner, and it stars Adrian King as Alice Amy Steele as Ginny and John Fury as Paul. What, Jason doesn't get credited? Oh, I have a lot of scaredy facts about Jason's credits, so we're not even going to go there. Okay, sounds good. (laughs) This is based on E. Melodic's summary from IMDb. I've added a bit of info here, though, but the majority of this is from him. So thanks or her. E, whoever you are. After killing Mrs. Voorhees, who was avenging her son Jason's death, Alice Hardy can finally sigh with relief. But there is just one problem. Jason never drowned at Camp Crystal Lake and lived in the nearby woods as a hermit all this time. The day that Alice beheaded his mother, Jason saw everything and his heart was filled with a thirst for revenge. Two months later, Alice is at home, alone, still dealing with the trauma. After finding a severed Mrs. Voorhees head inside her fridge, she gets stabbed by an ice pick in the temple and disappears. Yeah, that was a hard death. Oh, man. Five years later, a camp next to Camp Crystal Lake is built and the counselors start snooping around the old abandoned camp ruins. This makes Jason very upset since his shack is next to the remains of Camp Crystal Lake and he wants to protect what's inside the shack at all costs. A shrine to his mother featuring her severed head and pale blue sweater. Eventually, half the counselors of this new camp go to a casino slash bar slash... Not a nightclub. I don't know. It says casino on the front. Look like a diner from the outside. Yeah, (laughs) but okay. It's called casino to have an evening of relaxation while the others stay behind for an evening of fun in the lodge. Wink. Wink. Sexy times ensue. And one by one, the counselors are picked off, leaving the only counselor empathetic to Jason's story. Ginny for last. Weasley? No. (laughs) What is her last name? I don't know if she gets one. Jason's been hunting down the counselors in his potato sack and overalls using a variety of weapons to get his job done. But when Ginny uses his psychology and mother's sweater against him, it's her chance to stab him in the neck with a machete. She's almost able to escape with her boyfriend and camp counselor leader, Paul. But then Jason breaks through a cabin window for one last jump scare. It just ends. Yeah. Just ends like that. Lately, I've been struggling with synopsis. Because I want to be detailed, but I don't want to be too long and like draw it out. This one was super easy. I could just it's like I have an idea and I can delete it from this recording if you don't like it. But why don't we get people to send in the synopsis of next week's movie? Yes. So like when we announce at the end of this episode what we're going to watch next, you can send us a recording of you doing a synopsis. And if we don't get any, we'll just use our own. Yeah. 
out, but then you can make it better. Listeners. Send it to drinking and screaming at gmail.com if you want to do that. You are a genius. I'm so smart and definitely stole that from Office Ladies. Yes. <laughs> I was going to give you the credit, but <laughs> <laughs> that's why I love you. Hit me with that trailer audio. Friday, the 13th, part two, the body count continues 14 15 16 17 18 19 20 21 22 23 the day you count on for terror well that sucked did dwight Schrute make that <laughs> how many people need to get hurt before we learn a lesson one, one. Two. Two. When's, hold up. Three. <laughs> Why did he start counting? I don't get it. I was wondering if it seemed like they started at 13. Is that because of Friday the 13th or is it because 13 people were killed in the previous film? I don't think so. I would have to go back and look it up. But 13 I'm, seems like a lot. Yeah. Like there's the two counselors in the beginning. Yeah. And then like maybe six or eight counselors afterward. Yeah. Which only brings it up to like. 10 Plus being generous Mrs. Voorhees, if you count her 11 but not all the counselors 12, died 13 14 <laughs> hold up 15 yeah, i don't even a, know if we should make them listen to the whole counting bit i'm just gonna use all the numbers i'm gonna take out everything except all you're gonna hear is a guy going 12 11 13 14 hey 14, 15 12 11 12 11 <laughs> hey why was 12 afraid of 11 why because 13, 8, 9. That's not it. It set the expectations of what this film was going to be, which was, I don't even know how to Old? describe it. Old? A, a re... What's the word for like... Like, they took the cookie cutter of Friday the 13th, and they just made another one. Well, it's literally a sequel. Yeah, you're describing sequel. But worse. It did that thing that I love in old horror movies, where they just keep repeating the name of the movie over and over again. Yes. Terror Train. Terror Train. <laughs> Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. Hey, guess when this comes out? October. <laughs> 13. Is that when it came out? I don't know. I, I, I said it before. I scrolled down already. It's far too late. <laughs> Rewind if you want to know. Uh, do you want my thoughts on... I do. Friday the 13th. 13. Part 2. Uh, I only have three Fabulous. thoughts on this. Uh, the first one was... I was... Kind of disappointed in the practical effects in this movie. There weren't that many. No. The, like, the machete one was cool. That was neat. Like the actual use of the machete on Jason was neat. But like think of the ones that happened in the first one. Like the Kevin Bacon getting stabbed in the throat while looking pretty campy was genuinely horrifying to look at. Yeah. There was a lot more just like flesh slicing in the first one. And I feel like the second one they went a little weaker, I guess. The things that stick out to me in this one were the machete to the shoulder of Jason being attacked. Yeah. The machete to the face of wheelchair guy. Oh, that yeah. was pretty good. That was neat. And then the fridge. Yeah. Which is wasn't really, I guess it was practical effects in the sense that it was a real head in the fridge. A real like prop head. Yeah. But the other ones that you described are literally, let's just cut 
a section of this machete out and then glue it to someone's face. Yeah. Like we went to that. Um, oh, the Hollywood horror show in uh, Universal. Universal. And it was neat to see the fact that like they made a knife that you could put on your arm and then move up and down as it like slid along. Yeah, that was creepy. And then you just like shoot blood, blood out of it. But I feel like they went more. What's the word? They seemed like they tried harder in the first one, I guess. I don't know. It That's seemed fair. it just seemed cheaper or they were afraid to make it look bad. So they didn't use the practical effects from the first one. Yeah, there also wasn't really a plot. Yeah, it was just teens show up to get training for being counselors. And then the night they show up, Jason kill. Which I feel is very similar to the first one. But the first one felt like there was more of a story there. It had also had its own original lore or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, 13 years ago, a kid drowned here, blah, blah, blah. And then the second one was like, 18 years ago, a kid drowned <laughs> here. You know, that old chestnut. Yeah. But five years ago, other people died. Oh, it was literally just a sequel. It was like, hey, remember five years ago? Yeah. Friday the 13th one? Well, that's happening again. We came here. We don't know why. We never. They never found the killer. Oh, I guess they did. They found Pamela. Actually, that makes sense. This is the first Friday, or this is the last remaining Friday the 13th that it makes sense for anybody to go there. Because in the first movie, Pamela's killed. So they're like, oh, the serial killer's dead. We're all safe to yes. go back. Now it's like, we don't know what happened to Jason, that serial killer, the second time. The, he wasn't even a serial killer. Technically, he was a serial killer or a mass murderer. You watched enough Grey's Anatomy where they define what this yeah. is. But no, not in the first one. In the second one, he yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Jason's still at large after the second movie. It's a mass murder, yeah. So any was... subsequent movies, it doesn't make sense for people to go back to Camp Blood. Yeah, more than four people died, and it was all in one location. Yes, nobody died outside of... I mean, it depends by, by one location. I think... Does someone else? No, everyone dies in that one camp that's yeah. not even Crystal Lake. Yeah. The next door neighboring camp that's brand new. Idiots. Anyways, it's it just felt cheaper than the first one, I think. Yep. Practically. I don't know. They learned things cinematography wise, I guess. They did a tracking shot following a guy falling down the stairs on a wheelchair, which is pretty neat. That was cool. Yeah. That was cool. Anyways, that's my first point. Pretty lackluster, I would say. <laughs> just like the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my second point is that there's too many damn characters in this movie. I don't know anyone's name. No, Ginny, I know now yes. because you said is her name. And to be fair, that one, I do remember she was the final girl and she had a strong character. And then I want to say Mark is one of those guys names. Wheelchair. Wheelchair man. Yep. And then Jason. <laughs> yep. And then wheelchair man's girlfriend's name is Vicky. But I only know that because I had to research it for one of my points. OK, I gotcha. Um, I had to look it up, though. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> wheelchair guy and the girl he liked. Beyond that, like there were so many camp counselors that I, a, I didn't care about because there was too goddamn many of them. B, I don't think we learned most of their names. And then see halfway through the movie, they were just sent to another location, never to be seen from again. Yeah, that's true. You're I forgot. There's like five background yeah. camp counselors. The only black character is not even part of the main. Did they get a line? I think count. they got one. They got one line, but they weren't part of the body count. Yeah, there was no other black character in the movie. And I don't think he got a name. Even worse than just dying first. Yeah. The first death in this film was the ice pick, and that was good. Yeah, at least let him die so there's representation. <laughs> if a horror movie in the oldie times, you know, the 80s. Oof, the oldie times. Was like, we're going to have a gay character, and then he didn't die, I'd be disappointed. <laughs> 
I want representation as a body. <laughs> Anyways, I like there was that one skinny camp counselor who was like the sidekick of the main teacher who seemed like he was supposed to be important. Like he had a lot of lines. He the had a name. The guy that got drunk at the casino yeah. thing. Yeah. And then what happens? At, he just gets drunk and... And never- he somehow lives, which is like the opposite of the rules of these movies. Yeah, he got drunk and he seems fine. Yeah. But he did like, not have sex, I don't think. Um, No, I don't think so. But everyone liked him, which is usually the person that you kill first. You yeah. kill the mascot. Hmm. But yeah, he got away scot-free. Like the Joker character usually dies. Yeah. But they didn't do it in a way where he gets scot-free out of his own volition. He just wasn't there anymore. And I didn't care about any of those people anymore. Yep. Yeah. yeah they don't even talk about it again. They... <laughs> Paul is leaving and he's like, make sure you get so-and-so to drive you home there, buddy. And he has like 20 beer bottles in front of him. Like, what the hell? Why are you over serving bar? And then he then the kids like, is there a late night bar around here? And one of the patrons is like, hell yeah, there is cut. Not going to tell you where. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was very strange. Also, this is a deep cut that. You won't know yet, but I'm sure someone out there will know. But this bar very much reminded me of the bar in Twin Peaks, where they have to go to Montreal to get to the bar, I think. <gasps> Montreal? Yeah. That's I don't know where why. I'm from. I think it was just the fact that they got out of danger by going to this weird bar. Anyways, that was strange. A strange choice to have so many characters that then <laughs> are not affected by the plot at why all. Why were they? Yeah. Why were they even there? don't know um and my final point i feel like i've been shitting on this movie a lot which i don't think it's a bad movie it's just like didn't do anything new yeah that's how i feel yeah the best part about it and this is my thought is that it introduces jason for sure like this is the birthplace of jason as the main protagonist not like a little swamp kid no jump scare afterthought yeah he's now the main protagonist of friday the 13th series i say protagonist because Name one other camp counselor from one of the later parts. Part four. What's the name of any camp counselor in that one? The twins. Twins. <laughs> is Tommy Jarvis a camp counselor? Nope. No, he's is for the. We tried to think about this while we were watching. Yeah. We have no recollection of the order of these movies. I think the third one is the my favorite one where it's the actor kid. Yeah, it's got Ash in it. It's the th- everything's 3D. The guy's head gets crushed. Yeah. Fox. Friday the 13th. 3D. Yeah, that one's a good one. I think that's my favorite Friday movie. But is that also the one where the woman is her shirt is just completely drenched in the final like 10 minutes of the movie? Or is that four? Unclear. It's I think it's four because it's 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 Tommy Jarvis's sister, right? Because the first one is Corey Feldman as Tommy Jarvis. Or is it... We'll figure it out when we watch it next time. It's so hard to remember. (laughs) It's probably because we marathoned these movies. I had no other point. I just like that Jason is introduced (laughs) and it's really strange to see the progression of this potato sack boy into cybernetic robots smashing people's heads in space. This is a fucking weird series and I I love it. Even, Even as like humdrum as this movie is i just love that he starts his potato sack jason stabbing people with a pitchfork to like demon that sucks people to hell and again it's just like you said like we're kind of shitting on it but it's not actually a bad movie um it's definitely something that i would put on for a halloween movie or even like to marathon them again it's fun yeah um he's kind of like a DD character like a like a main like pc he starts as like, you've been chosen, potato sack Jason, as the adventurer <laughs> of the realm. Please go fight the kobolds. And you have a troubled past. <laughs> get my treasure back. You're afraid of water. <laughs> yeah. And then level 20, it's like, 
you're now cybernetic and have all of these abilities and just the cool progression of this awesome hero. <laughs> Uh, my first point, I want to point out how much, how great of a character Ginny is. Ginny Weasley? Yeah. I like that she marries Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, she's played by Emily Steele in this film. And she's, I love that she's such a smart and calculated girl. She's a final girl that knows what she's fucking doing. Yeah. Because we see her, that was like the only part of the bar slash casino area scene that I thought was relevant because she's talking about Jason to another counselor and about like, wow, like really diving into his, how he must be feeling and trying to be empathetic with his plight, I guess I'd say. Yeah. Of like watching your mother be murdered and like, obviously he's off in some way and no one really knows and having to live all alone, we're assuming because his body was never found in the lake. So she takes all of that. And then at the end of the day, that's what saves her because yeah. she uses the sweater and the, his whole like mentality to stun him into being able to escape. Which is a really cool use of information because the first movie, How Does She Kill Pamela? She cuts off her head. Yeah. Which isn't like, I've gathered information. It's, I've gathered this machete. Yeah. Um, it's cool that she then applies, like, I know that Jason misses his mom and I know that she wore this sweater and she probably said stuff like, mommy's talking to you. Yeah. And uses that to like manipulate Jason. For sure. Mm -hmm. Just take him right back to how he was as a child. It worked out really well for her, sort of, because then they die. Yeah. It actually, I, this is a tangent a little bit, but it makes me think of like really good final girl characters like Hush, which we watched recently, oh, which we'll yes. probably cover later, but I'll, sure. whatever, we'll spoil it. But she does that thing where like she's the victim for a very long time. But at, throughout the movie, she's like picking up small pieces of information about the killer. Yes. And then she uses that at the end to apply everything against him. Oh, it's so good. Which I think is a really cool way to write a character where they are the victim for like 95 percent of the movie. Yeah. But they've picked up all that little information. And then uses I really, it. really want to watch Hush and do an we episode. Just, oh, okay. <laughs> we just watched it. No, do an episode on it now. Less than a month ago, we watched it. <laughs> My next point is um, going kind of along the tangent of you mentioning seeing his character arc from being potato sack boy all the way to Jason X. Um, so he runs around in a potato sack that only has one eye hole, but he's very diverse in his weapon choices mm -hmm. because we get a lot of choices here. He uses a spear when he yes. stabs the kids. That was a cool kill, too. Yeah. You can't forget about that. I kind of glossed over it. But that's like, I don't know. You don't see much. He, he stabs in. It's all yeah. really practical. I took it away from my, the scaredy facts, but there's a bunch of shots in that scene that were way more graphic, but they had to cut it. Oh, yeah. And then he also uses the machete. He uses the pickaxe. Uh, there's a pitchfork. I can't remember if he does anything else. But there's a bunch. So I'm curious, though, if he do you think he can't actually see out of the eye that's disfigured? Maybe because he didn't cut an extra eye hole. And we see later Jason designs that that eye is mangled. Yeah. And even he, in this one, you see he that seems it's to be fine. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is interesting that he has so much depth perception or maybe he doesn't. That's why he whiffs sometimes. Ah. It's a tree instead of a person. Yes. But uh, yeah, probably. Maybe he was like, I just need one hole in this potato sack. <laughs> Why I have to wear a potato sack? I don't know. <laughs> it was actually probably like when he was a kid, his mom like 
got him to cover his face so he didn't get made fun of. And he just kind of translated that. And my yeah. head, my face is bigger now. I need something big to put on it. It's actually, I can't remember if this is in the scaredy facts or not, but um, it's a pillowcase. Oh, excuse not me. Not a potato sack. And it's because they specifically chose that as something that would be something that Jason could easily get. Oh. Um, like from just foraging around the campsite. Even, yeah, even just going to Camp Blood again, there's probably tons of uh, pillowcases. pillowcases. But I imagine camp pillowcases are probably rough and yeah. hardy, so they Which don't get destroyed. Which is why it looks like a potato sack. Yeah. And how old is he actually supposed to be? Because when we see his face finally revealed, he looked way older than I was anticipating because it's only actually five years after the first film. Yeah, but he was like 10 when he was at... Crystal Lake, right? When he died? Yeah, we could say around 10. Yeah, so about 10. And then how much time between when he died and when Pamela went on her massacre? I thought that was like the next year. Okay, so even then, that's 11. Plus 5. Plus 5 is 16. I've seen some pretty diesel 16-year-olds. With like, did he have facial hair? I don't know, there was just something like, he was huge. Yeah, like... The idea later on, especially, is that Jason is some sort of like inhuman monster beast. Yeah. So the idea that like puberty hit him like a fucking semi is <laughs> believable, I guess. But like, even if we gave him like 18, let's say, give or take some years of being in the water. Yeah. But your synopsis actually brings up another question. Was he actually drowned or did he just get lost in the woods and well, Pamela thought he drowned? He is in the water. If or we're is taking that a vision, the end, Yeah, we're not sure. If we're taking that as... Literal. Yeah. Which he, originally he, the actual filmmakers were saying that that was just an added joke at the end. Yeah. That wasn't really canon, but they put it in the movie anyway, which makes it canon, I guess, if you're... Trying to layer it down. I don't know. And all the cops that were clearly watching her didn't see a guy or didn't see a kid pull her into the water. Yeah. So I it don't, could have been a vision. But then it like kind of like he's afraid of the water in later movies in a way that I don't think is fun. Because um, Kelly's afraid of water. No, because I think Friday or J- Freddy versus Jason is a dumb movie. Oh, um, <laughs> but he drowns in Crystal Lake numerous times later on in the series. <laughs> But it is interesting because, yeah, the summary that you read kind of implies that he never actually drowned. He was just lost in the woods, which then he saw his mom uh, get her head chopped off or yeah. he like almost drowned and then crawled out into the woods and got lost. Yeah. Which is more sensible, I guess. But um, yeah, so he's some sort of estimate 16 year old super beast. Yeah. Running through the woods, choking out different people. to take a moment to talk about our sponsors and socials. This episode of Drinking and Screaming is brought to you by Mad Lab Distilling and Tuck Craft Kitchen. Mad Labs has released a brand new line of pre-made cocktails and some new flavored bitters, which I really want to get my hands on. I want them so bad. <laughs> yeah, we don't have them yet. Scott, you're, you're listening to us. Give us your bitters. <laughs> we want your bitters. We're so bitter that we don't have them. <laughs> Heck yeah, nailed it. We've been waiting on being able to release this drink for a while. We don't even have a label on it. We just had to assume that it was called S'mores Old Fashioned. <laughs> if he's got an official name for it, I didn't check. That is what it's called. Okay. Now you can see it on social media. The label's beautiful, uh, but we just have our Sharpie, silver oh, Sharpie yeah. we got like bottle. A, we got a <laughs> distillery glass full of liquor. We're giving away a $30 gift card to Tuck Craft Kitchen, our favorite place. And actually... 
I misspoke last episode when I said $25. It's actually $30. So all you need to do to enter is leave us a review on Podchaser or iTunes to be entered into the draw. All reviews received by Friday, March 20th are eligible to enter, with the winner being announced on our March 23rd episode release and Twitter profile. So go ahead and leave us a review so you can get your drink on at Tuck. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream, uh, Facebook at drink and scream. And if you want to email us that summary of our next episode, which you have to stick around for and hear what it's going to be, you can send that to drinking and screaming at gmail.com. Back to the episode. My next point is that there's so much Friday the 13th, the game in here. We actually, we've been on a Dead by Daylight binge for the last year. Yes. <laughs> um, but before watching this movie again for this episode, for some reason, we were like, hey, let's play Friday the 13th again. Yeah. And we for ended old up, time's sakes. Which was fun for me. Kelly didn't like it as much because there was a lot of like glitches. There's a lot of bugs in that game. I'm getting game. off track. But the rounds that we did play were on the Pakanak map, which is based on this movie. Yes. So again, I was faced with exactly when we watched the first one of, oh my God, we were just there and having that feeling all the time. We're definitely going to have to do that for the third one as well and play on whatever map is in the game for yeah. the third one, which I think is in We're just going to do it for every single one. So if you don't like hearing us talk about a video game, too dang bad. <laughs> But something that's extra cool is that there are two huge elements of the game that come specifically from this movie, which is Mrs. Voorhees sweater and how you can like put that on as a counselor if you're female and be like, Jason, Mommy's mother's talking, talking to, to you. you, just like the scene. You like reenact the scene and like Jason freezes instead of being able to attack you, which is super cool. And then the other thing is the Jason's shack, which you can go into as a counselor. Yes. And as you enter it you see like the shrine of the mother and that's where you get the sweater and stuff which is interesting because jason's shack changes a lot throughout the series but it's always just this one yeah. that we see in the game because like the 2009 i want to say uh friday the 13th like it's a whole underground mining oh, yeah. thing which is interesting but mm -hmm. we'll get to that one years from now oh so far in the future um but yeah i was like specifically thinking that i was it was, it's always weird when you see that, and I can't think of an example, so it's extraordinarily weird, that they <laughs> took the layout of the movie and converted it to a game. Yeah, and Usu they did it so well. Yeah, usually you would make adjustments for gameplay and stuff like that. So I would have to see if they like or added more doors and like exit spots to make up for the fact that it's like it's not just for living in, it's for playing in as well. Yeah. Yeah, like there were so many references on the wall of like, random knickknacks hanging and stuff like that that were perfectly replicated in the game. And like the lodge itself, having the like two stories where the body gets dragged down the stairs, that stairwell is there. Is the stairwell that Mark falls down in the game? Yep. Nice. Yep. And the area that the... The, the, the fireplace with the picnic tables yes. is there. And where the lady swims naked in the water, that's yep. all there. Where yeah. the car is parked and you see like a kind of like upper hill ridge thing that's mm -hmm. there with like cabins off to the side. It's actually interesting too because in the loading screen there's an image of the couple that's been stabbed. Yeah. But there's also the one of the lady skinny dipping unless now yeah. that I think about it probably every Friday the 13th movie there's somebody skinny dipping. 
Because, like, why not? <laughs> You're at camp. Who cares? Yeah. My last point is that I really love the relationship between Mark and Vicky in the lodge. Because at first, when we were watching it, it seemed like Mark, who's the guy in a wheelchair, is kind of like being put on the spot and he's like not reciprocating what Vicky's putting down. Yeah, because she's super thirsty. I'm like, yeah, she takes the reins. Yeah. There's, they do it in a way that it's very clear that he's not just giving into pressure. Like he's actually was just shy. Yeah. And then they like really get it on and they're like about to make love. And like they were so hot and like it was so honest. Mm-hmm. We didn't even get to see anything because they ended up getting killed. But yeah, that- she ends up going back to her cabin to freshen up. And change panties. World's awfulest underwear. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this isn't one of my points, but I like the idea of like it's the 80s or whatever. So so what she wears there is what she's going to wear as an old woman. So when you think about like the out of fashion styles of old women, that's probably about what they wore that was in style when they were younger. Yeah. So like that. That like old women that you look at now might have been super hot in the 80s wearing that skimpy, skimpy granny panties. <laughs> that was so t- tantalizing back then. Ooh, her sweater was really cute, though. Oh, yeah. I would wear that. I loved it. Um, And this actually kind of leads into our scaredy facts. But just to tie in with my how great their romance was. Lauren Marie Taylor, who plays Vicky. She had a legit crush on her on screen boyfriend, Tom McBride, who played Mark. But unfortunately for her, he was gay. (laughs) Nice. But that was so like you could see it. There was no denying how much she liked him. Yeah, it was good chemistry in one direction. Yeah. (laughs) But that leads me into. Scaredy facts. Every year. Every year. Every year. Every year. We watch a horror movie just once a year. That's more old fashioned is really kicking in. (laughs) Uh, Every time that we watch horror movies in real life, afterwards, we like to snuggle up together and read some uh, trivia facts about the movie we just watched to help us decompress and get sleepy. Yeah. For me, you know, I fall asleep like instantly. (laughs) Uh, But we decided to bring this into our lovely little podcast here with this segment, which we call Scaredy Facts. So welcome to our relationship. I expect gifts on my birthday and (laughs) snuggles. Nightly. Only at night. Yes. In separate beds. No morning snuggles. No. That's against the Lord. (laughs) The budget for this film was an estimated 1.25 million. Sensible. Opening weekend, they made 6.4 million. Good. And the gross USA total is 21.7 million. Nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. It's not astronomical. And I think that kind of goes with like how watching the film now we're like, yeah, that was okay. And that's a, that's a Friday the 13th right there. Yeah. Pick I would the be tires, like- tap the roof. Yep. That's a, <laughs> that's a Friday the 13th. All right. I wouldn't have been, if I had seen this in theaters, been telling my friends, you have to see this movie. But if I had seen the first one, I definitely would have gone to see the second. Which is interesting. I wonder if you got rid of the first one and introduced this as Friday the 13th part one, if it would be as good as the first one. Like as a standalone? Yeah. That's true. Cause the, They do a good job of explaining the lore in this one. And they're both like good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think the fact that it turned out to be a female killer in the first one is what made it so so unique compared to all the other slashers. Yeah. And this one was just big, basically hillbilly guy that kill you. Yeah. 
Security fact number one, when the filmmakers asked Adrian King to reprise her role as Alice, she said that she wanted to be on screen for a short period of time because there was an obsessive fan who was stalking her. He ended up breaking into her apartment and she ended up like fearing for her life, basically. So the situation escalated so much that it became a full blown stalker case. And she decided to avoid any further acting opportunities. Uh, Was was his name Jason? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would be that would be kind of funny. It's a dire situation that's sad, but it would be funny if the guy's name was Jason. She hasn't done any on-screen film work since, but she has done voiceover work on several films, but she waited more than 15 years. She is. So that I sucks. Felt, yeah, it's really awful for her. Uh, my next fact also goes with uh, Adrian King, who says that there was no script for her scene, which is why she didn't know that her character died. Nice. She didn't even know. She showed up on set, found out Jason was going to kill her and that they needed her to completely improvise a phone conversation. (laughs) So everything with Alice talking to her mom on the phone about like struggling to move on with her soon to end life was unscripted. I mean, maybe she used the uh, substitution of her having an actual stalker. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe this was a conversation she had with her mom about her real life stalker. Yeah. This one is kind of awful also. Starting off with a lot of bad Did they kill another snake? No. Did they kill another fucking snake? (laughs) We kind of pointed this out, though, as we were watching. So originally, the sex scene between Sandra and Jeff was longer, and it included full frontal nudity from actress Marta Kober. But then, so that's the girl with the, like, really frizzy hair and the, like, big perky boobs. Oh, yeah. Um, But then, sorry, I can't identify. We don't know what their names are. Well, no. Okay. So that made me sound bad that I was like, hair. No. Oh, boobs. Yeah. Yeah. But you and I specifically pointed out how fucking perky her boobs were in that movie. So I think I said I need to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want people sitting at home being like, oh, of course, Kelly just recognizes the boobs. But so it had full frontal nudity. But then Paramount Studio discovered that she was underage. So the scene was deleted completely. Uh, I mean, That's good like, for Paramount? Yes, but what the fuck with that director, man? That's You sucks. knew. there's, And obviously, like, you're a kid and you want to be successful. Do you think she do lied whatever. about how old she was to get the role? I don't we've know. heard of that before. Yeah, I probably would do that. It's, um, like, it sucks that an industry designs itself that you have to do that. Yeah, so, ugh. But Paramount Studio deleted it, which was Good nice. Good call. Probably the same fucking director that killed a snake. Yeah. Douchebag. Um, it's actually a different director. No, he has the spirit of the first one. <laughs> uh, similar to the first one, the actors stayed in the cabins on sets. So John Fury, Bill Randolph, and Russell Todd came to Lauren Marie Taylor's cabin to play a prank on her. They scratched on her screen window And she got so scared. She hyperventilated and they were like continuously scaring her as she was hyperventilating and she fainted. Nice. It's a good prank. So yeah, great. Just a prank. You start to read that fact after the last one got me real worried about what they did. No, sorry. Yeah, that was badly enough. So comparatively, (laughs) hyperventilating hyperventilating till you faint is an all right prank. Yeah. (laughs) Um, there's a nod to another horror film in this. Well, actually, I don't, I've never seen it. The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Have you seen that movie? That sounds familiar. I think I looked it up a while ago, maybe for this podcast or another one. Um, From 1976. I don't know much about it, but 
Jason in this film is dressed to look exactly the same as, oh, there's a killer. So yeah, exactly the same as the hooded burlap sack killer from that movie. But the only difference is that Jason's sack only has one eye hole and his shirt is like a slightly different plaid design. Mm. But he's like an homage to the killer of that film. Oh, wait. Yeah. No, I, I haven't seen this movie, but I was researching it because I was writing a script, which I have literally not looked at in like three years now. Oh, my. And I use that as a reference point. Oh, cool. The first Jason scene in this movie is a shot of Jason's legs walking across the street towards Alice's house. I feel like we pointed this out as we were watching it because this is actually the only time in the movie that Jason was played by a lady. Oh, Jason's legs belong to Ellen Lutter, who was the film's costume designer. Nice. Eh. I wonder if that was like, oh, shit, the actor who played Jason left. We need to get a shot of him. Coming to the house. Who do we have left? Oh, the costume. Put the costume on. Put your own costume on. It'll be fine. Um, Speaking of the actor who plays Jason having to leave, in the scene where Jason crashes into the window and grabs Ginny, the actor, Warrington Gillette, was actually hurt. He tried to break into the window, but it didn't break. So Uh, he just smashed his head really hard on the glass. Was it not sugar (laughs) glass? I don't know. Apparently not. But, Jesus. Um, which is funny because uh, Amy Steele had stated that she found shooting the window scene very difficult. So the shot required three takes and her frightened reaction is genuine on screen because the shot was in slow motion. A high speed camera was used. And every time she heard the film start to roll, she would just like instantly be terrified of what was about to happen. Nice. So <laughs> Pretty I thought good. that was good. I mentioned this earlier about how there's going to be like weirdness of Jason's casting or crediting. Yeah. So although Warrington Gillette is credited as playing Jason, most of the scenes, the character was actually played by stuntman Steve Dash. Gillette only plays the unmasked Jason in the sequence where he bursts through the window. And Dash was really upset at being uncredited in the role as he has most of Jason's screen time. So then when archival footage from this film was used in the next sequel, only Dash is actually credited as playing Jason. That yeah, sucks. he was basically Jason the entire time, all the like running through the forest stuff, all the killing stuff, but he didn't get the credit. Interesting. I imagine when we get to the third one, we'll talk more about who the like iconic Jason actor is. Yes. Yes. But we'll save that for part three, whenever that is. <laughs> the next Friday, the 13th. You know how months work. <laughs> This is funny. Um, at a horror convention in Cherry Hill, New Jersey in 2003, Betsy Palmer, who plays Mrs. Voorhees, um, said that she never appeared in another Friday the 13th movie after the first one. Nice. But she's in this film. <laughs> so apparently she forgot about this one, I guess. She was in Los Angeles at the time that part two was being filmed in Connecticut So she was just hired for one day. She was filmed in front of a black screen for all the like, Jason, mother's talking to you. I can see that. That's like 22 years later of like a layover filming. But she's this is what she's famous for. She makes her life or not that line, but this role. And she makes her living off of going to conventions to talk about being Mrs. Voorhees. Yeah. In the first one. And in the second one, though, I don't think I would forget. Come on. Uh, I mean, I'm going to put him on blast, but that's like when we went to Fan Expo and we met our uh, Oscar Nunez and he was like, yeah, The Office was just a, a job for me, which just like, shh, 
shatters any excited fans excitement. Yeah. Be like, oh, my God, I'm meeting a f- the actor of one of my favorite things ever. And they're like, yeah, it was just a thing I did. And then it's like, oh, well, now I'm not supposed to care about it. Thanks. Yeah, it kind of sucked. So when <laughs> if Betsy Palmer, I guess if Betsy Palmer's like, yeah, I fucking loved playing Pamela in that that one movie I was in. And they're like, no, no, no. It was the second one. And she's like, huh? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> Sorry. There was another Friday the 13th. Oh. What are you talking about? Yeah. There's been like 10. What? <laughs> what are, you, are you high? There was the one. I was the killer. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> my next fact goes with um, I held in my reaction when you said it because I had a fact about it and I wanted to save it for this moment. You were men- I mentioned the ice pick death and you were like, oh, yeah, that's so brutal. Yeah. Are you ready? No. Did, you, did she actually <laughs> get fucking killed in that scene? Actress Adrian King, who played Alice, explained how her death, the ice pick scene, was filmed on Facebook Live. It was a retractable quotations ice pick that was not tested before use. So the first time they used it, it did not retract. So she got injured. The second take, they had to aim for the hole in her face. Wait, did it go through or just dent her? I think it pierced skin. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Why would you not at least like try it on a table next to you before shooting that? Like props person, bad person using the prop, bad. I wouldn't blame the person using the prop. Like if you're handed a prop just before they say uh, action, you expect that it does the thing that they're telling you that it's going to do. Yeah, but it's still like a safety thing for sure. It was just, yeah, bad form, early movies. You don't know if it's supposed to break when you use it or anything like that. So you don't want to like jam it into a wall to test that it'll retract. Mm. But yeah, that sucks. So instead you jam it into an actress's face. Yeah. It's fine. (laughs) Bad. You got to test your props, actors. Come on. Stab yourself first, at least. All right. I got two last. Two left. Two left. That was a nice uh, little slur there. Two last scaredy facts for you. I saved the best for last, as always. Nice. Not really. This is more for you because you watched this film with me and I mentioned it as it was happening. Good. In a deleted part of the ending, after the camera has completely zoomed in on Mrs. Voorhees' head, her eyes open and she smiles at the viewer, indicating that Jason has killed Paul. This was cut for looking too fake. But when we were watching it, I was like, it looks like it's a real person and the eyes are supposed to open. So I was like, I called it because it actually is. It's not the prop that they had made in the opening. It's an actual actor. I'm confused. It indicates that Jason has killed Paul, that Pamela opens her eyes. Like, ha ha. Like a. That was the final killing. Yeah. Interesting. I guess that would really. They got their revenge on those counselors. Yeah. That would really set a new lore that like Pamela is some sort of mythical being. Maybe she would have came back. (laughs) Yeah, they cut it because they were like, it just looked funny. Yeah. And they didn't want it to be a joke. Because like supernatural elements don't really come in until part five. Whenever the new blood. Yeah. Whenever uh, Tommy resurrects Jason, that's like the first true like supernatural. Is that before the telekinesis girl? Yes. So, okay, I'm going to try this once. (laughs) And if I get it wrong, if I get it wrong, I don't care. So one, Pamela, two, potato sack. Three, Ash, 3D, 3D eyes popping at you. Four, Tommy Jarvis and the Hunter. Tommy Jarvis kills Jason. Five, 
Tommy Jarvis knows karate and he goes to a farm where an angry man pretends to be Jason. Yes. And gets you know, later. Uh, <laughs> what am I on? Six. Tommy Jarvis is now old and he resurrects Jason by stabbing him with a, with a fence and it gets lightninged. Seven. Psychic girl. Eight. New York. Nine. <laughs> there are nine. Oh, there's like 12. Nine. Freddy versus Jason. Nine, I think, is Freddy versus Jason. Ten. Um, <laughs> Jason. Oh, no, shit. One of Jason goes to hell, I think, is somewhere in there. That could be near the end. Nine or ten, because I think it goes. Jason goes to hell. Uh, Jason in New York. Freddy versus Jason. Um, Jason X. And then the remake. Isn't there a nod to Freddy in Jason Goes to Hell at the end? Yeah. So then Freddy vs. Jason would be the next one. So maybe it's New York, Hell, Freddy vs. Jason. And that's my last attempt. I'm going to stop doing this. Fabulous. (laughs) And our final facts are just for you, Kelly. Jeff's truck is a 1977 Chevrolet K10 Cheyenne Fleetside. Sick. Ginny's red car is a 1971 Volkswagen Super Beetle convertible. Hell yeah. That's, I love that guy. I love that person. Whoever writes that. You great. complete us. Yeah. <laughs> Keep doing it. Please do it for more modern movies because I still want to know what that shotgun in a quiet place is. Yeah. Nobody messaged us. All right. I'm ready for your final thought, my love. Uh, my final thought's pretty simple. And it's that I think this movie's main value now is nostalgia. Yeah. It's I, I agree. Not like it's not like a bad movie. It's not great. It's just nostalgia. And it's not one of those movies where you watch it and you're like, man, this is worse than I remember. It's just, it's all right. And yeah. nostalgia. That just <laughs> That's basically mine too. It's a fun slasher flick, but it's definitely not one of my all time favorites. But it was nice to have this version of Jason come visit us at our fan expo booth. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> he did two Jasons, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I forget what the other one was. I think it was, it was part four. It was three days. So he did... I th- yeah, I think it might have been part four, and then it was potato sack, and then he was just Jason without the potato sack. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's been Friday the 13th, part two, a movie about the true heroes, old men that yell at teens to get out of town. <laughs> oh, yeah, we didn't really talk about him. Nope. <laughs> I think this is where in Cabin in the Woods, the stereotype of old man yelling at people to get out of town comes from. Ah, of course. Yeah. Next week, we'll be watching A Quiet Place Part 2, 2020. Will we? No, just oh. kidding, because, damn it, COVID-19, you've delayed basically every film project right now. But I did do a Twitter poll on what we should watch instead of a bunch of different contagion virus movies. Sweet. So the winner <laughs> is 28 Days Later. Nice. Yes. <laughs> I just watched that on a plane, so I'm very excited. <laughs> also, like, stay safe out there if you're listening to this. Stay yeah. inside. Wash your hands. Don't kiss anyone. Binge watch horror movies. Shudder is not a sponsor, but they're doing a free 30-day trial That's if sick. you use the code SHUTIN, all caps. Fuck. Hey, oh, man. This, we're going to go a little bit long because of this. A, I'm glad that so many companies are giving away free shit. B, it's so gross how much capitalism has made these companies use this outbreak virus that's killing thousands of people to clearly make money. That's horrible, and I hate it. But also, 
go take advantage and then immediately delete your credit card information after you get your 30 days. Yeah. Until they decide to sponsor us. And then you should totally watch Shutter all the time. It's just a sweeping statement of how capitalism is disgusting. Yeah. Not Rick, not directed at Shutter in general. <laughs> It's okay. I've reached out to them twice now, and they have yet to answer us. Cap- so I think capitalists. We will forever be shutter-free, unfortunately. <laughs> and remember, always scream responsibly. Ah, Bye. Cough, cough, cough. Oh, I'm always sick. This is just. Oh boy.